We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Obviously, two weeks been a long time since you and I got to chat face-to-face. We've had a little bit of communication over the last couple of weeks and everything. First things first, man, how are you doing? And it's, it's glad to be back with you, man. I'm doing good. I'm exhausted. I mean, been filling in with Nick and Scott in the morning um, for a couple for a few shows here and there. Then, you know, last two weeks having Nick and Chad on. Thanks to everybody for stepping in and fill, thanks to those who for stepping in and filling in for all you're gone. But I am exhausted, and <laughs> this Broncos team is like draining everything out of me. Having to rewatch them and break down the plays and do all my charting and stuff like that. It is just so exhausting because good football, even decent football, something that's enjoyable to watch. It it just feels like time flies, but it just drags on with this team. Yeah, it's it's rough right now, and there's there's a lot of struggles. Obviously, offensively, the defense is playing really good football right now. Probably not as as highly rated as people want to make it out to be, but this defense is playing incredibly well. Um, to keep this this terrible offense. It's literally the worst offense the Broncos have had since 1966, and I believe that was the year that the Broncos were founded was in 1966. It's the worst Broncos offense in franchise history, and Tim Tebow started a season for this team. Um, but the, the defense being able to keep this team competitive, I mean, they're, they're, they're losing games, but they're not getting blown out. It's not like the Vance Joseph team back in 20, I think, 17, when they lost, what, 50, 51 to 14 or something like that to the Philadelphia Eagles. Like this, at least they're competitive. So you can kind of hang your hat on that a little bit. But man, we're so short of expectations here. And the last couple of weeks have actually been kind of a, a brief respite. I took that, that week off and didn't really have to deal with the media and everything like that. And, did the elk hunting thing and everything unsuccessfully, but uh, we had some fun and just to get away from it all was a really big breath of fresh air. I'm, I'm excited for this week. I think the Broncos can maybe turn it around. I'm not going to pick it that way, but I think they have an opportunity to take this game away from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Um, Kathy Lund came in saying that not sure she'll set the alarm to watch this one on Sunday. I'm definitely not. This isn't a team that I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning to watch especially with how exhausted I am. And Kathy said uh, farther down in the chat that I'm always tired. I am. I'm an insomniac, so I don't sleep much anyways. And then 
football season and you know the last rush to the draft i get even less sleep because i'm busy working and stuff um so yeah i'm exhausted that's why and this this team i mean talking about it i mean they're keeping it close but they're not really as close as the score says because this offense is so bad like as soon as the jets score had that big rushing touchdown it was like that's it like that that's the ball game right there first one to score a touchdown you might as well call it essentially and it's just, it's bad i mean this defense as good as they are plenty of cracks form like they struggle they're struggling more in earlier in the game than they are later in the game um that's where the most touchdowns have been whereas most of the turnovers have been in the second half so it's not really an issue of the off the bad offense is making them falter sure for the final driver two that's giving them the loss that's can be it but they're having issues earlier on the offense has nothing going for them. Bad quarterback play, bad coaching, bad offensive line. Um, receivers are getting open, but you can't rely on them to get the, to catch the ball. Like no running game, injuries of course are an issue. Like just so many issues, so many, so much shooting themselves in the foot. That this team, like it's it's hard to be positive, and like especially for me, I'm I'm a pretty negative person when it comes to football. If somebody does something wrong, I'm going to point it out. If they do something positive. I will still point out the negative that happened. That's just how I am typically. Um, and this team, like, there's not really much positives that you can really point out to, especially on offense. Yeah, it, it's rough, man. It's it's really rough. And not to be negative all the time. Like, that's what we do is we're just critical. Like, our analysis is critical and it's fair and it's always – to the point and we try to give you real analysis and it could be butterflies and rainbows and everything like that, you know, some other time. But right now this team isn't playing with butterflies and rainbows. They're playing with, I, I don't even <laughs> know the, the, the opposite of butterflies and rainbows. It's like, like, I don't even want to say it. Poop and toilet paper. There you go. It, it's, it's <laughs> bad. I was going to say something different, but I'm not, I'm not that dark anyways, but guys, uh, great show plan for you guys tonight. We're going to break down the NFL trade di- deadline is uh, Tuesday at 2 PM mountain time, 4 PM Eastern Broncos have a, a handful of players that could potentially be on the move, especially if they lose this game to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to break down some Nathaniel Hackett stuff here as well. Talking about some fixes that this team could potentially make moving forward throughout the season. But before we get into all of that, guys got to give a big shout out to our presenting sponsor for tonight, Nord VPN. Broncos country, if you're like me, you're increasingly getting more concerned about cybercrime with people stealing your private data and invading your privacy. I'm not tech savvy at all. And that's why I now use NordVPN on all my browsers, whether it's my desktop, tablet, laptop, or phone. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, and NordVPN protects you as a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity. It's incredibly easy for me to use, which means I don't have to be an MIT graduate to figure it out. It's very intuitive to use, and with just one click, I'm protected. With my NordVPN account, I can have up to six devices protected. I no longer have to worry about hackers, malicious sites, and pop-ups. For the price of a single cup of coffee per month, I have complete peace of mind knowing that my devices and data is protected. Plus, with NordVPN, I'm never a slave to media blackouts. I can switch my virtual location to a market that is showing the NFL game I want to watch, so I don't miss out and can watch the action live. So, Broncos country, grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com mhh to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Now, that is nordvpn.com slash mhh 
to get four months for free. You are muted. I am muted. Thank you, NordVPN, for sponsoring tonight's show. We definitely appreciate you for everything that you have done for us here at Mile High Huddle. And as Colin says, we're going to say hello to the chat here really fast before we get into this. Colin Wood says, I might have to get NordVPN so I can see this stinker of a game. Well, there you go. NordVPN slash Mile High or MHH to uh, get that free month trial so you can actually check that out. And then hopefully you subscribe and uh get that subscription to NordVPN in the future. They are really good friends of ours here at Mile High Huddle. Um, Got to say hello to everybody else here really fast. I know Eric has a couple of other comments that I want him to get, but I want to say hello to uh, Mark Lindemood over on Facebook, Peter Middleton in the house, um, Jay Kozad, uh, Christiana Rodens, and good evening, guys. Welcome back, Lance. Thank you, Christiana. It's good to be back. I'm, I'm glad to be here with everybody. Having a, a little break from reality right now, talking to Broncos football, even though might be more stressful than the actual reality of things. Uh, Kathy Lund as well in the house. Jeff Noyes. We've got Ryan Slavic uh, over on YouTube as well. Um, Eric, what do you got here? There's a couple things that you said you wanted to grab before we went live. So I'll just let you take the reins here for a sec. Well, we have, um, of course, Malcolm Brown, the fellow Alaskan. Hello from Chile, Homer, Alaska. Yeah, we got our first snowfall and like, well, it's our second, actually our second snowfall. It's our first snowfall that stuck. And I don't know about the roads at Homer, but the roads here are absolutely terrible. And it has created some issues with pipes. The people who live below us, their pipe burst. Um, and so we were having plumbers coming in into our apartment this week to help deal with that. Um, and so that's playing to part of why I'm so tired. We have Peter Middleton, Middleton jumping in, talking about the first eight games were meant to be easier. The easier ones, right? And didn't people predict six and two? They were. The biggest thing wasn't necessarily a predicting six and two. It was that we needed the hot start because the back half of the schedule was ridiculously tough. Now, some of the teams that made it so tough aren't, you know, looking as great as expected entering the season, but it still isn't, you know, ideal to be at the point that the Broncos are at this point. And then Ernie Mays, of course, saying hello to Valley Divers. Go Irony. Broncos. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Hi, Ernie. What's going on, man? How are we doing tonight? We've got a super chat coming in here. Um, James Moss jumping in $5 super chat. Thank you, James, for joining us tonight. Uh, just want to wish everyone a happy, safe holiday and hope everyone is doing well. Love to all the Broncos fan. Thank you, James. We appreciate that. And yes, Halloween is on Monday. So hopefully everyone has a safe and uh, wonderful Halloween. And hopefully your kids get lots of really good candy and everything. And hopefully your costumes are always perfect. So Halloween is on Monday and the Christmas tree goes up Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, so inside baseball here, I, I got to do this. Eric is a massive Christmas fan. His Christmas shopping is already done. Um, and <laughs> when it, well, yeah, for the most part anyways, but Christmas, Christmas shopping is, is done for him for the most part. And I guarantee you, I will be getting pictures of all of the lights, the Christmas trees, all the stockings and decorations and stuff like that. They skip right directly over my favorite holiday, which happens to be Thanksgiving and go directly into Christmas. And I have respect for that. At least you guys are consistent with your standards over there in the trickle household. So props to you. I hate Thanksgiving. I think we talked about it almost every year about this. I hate Thanksgiving. Absolutely hate it. I hate, I hate the holiday. Um, like, yeah, it's, I, I don't care for, it. I get why people do. Don't get me wrong. It's just not my holiday. And Roy came in saying, good evening, guys. I hate to say this. I'd rather watch my new golden retriever puppy play than our Broncos. I think a lot of people would rather watch a golden retriever puppy play than the Broncos right now. I don't golden know retriever if puppies are adorable. A hot take, hot take. I'm not sure that I would rather watch the Broncos play, even if they're good, than watch a Golden Retriever puppy. Like, let's be honest here. Like, <laughs> And Kathy jumping in here. I love Thanksgiving. Yes, Kathy, you and I can relate on that one. It is my absolute most favorite holiday of the year. All right, guys. Enough holiday talk, <laughs> enough, we enough weather talk. Hello, everybody. Again, welcome into Dove Valley Deep Divers. Um, let's see here. First things first, Eric. Obviously, there's been issues with offensive execution, um, the offensive play calling, sequencing and stuff like that. Decision making from the coaching staff has been very highly criticized. And earlier this week, I believe it was Wednesday, might have been Thursday. My days are bleeding together right now. But George Payton went on, um, did an interview the other day and gave the dreaded vote of confidence to Nathaniel Hackett saying he's, uh, he supports him 100%. He's behind him all the way. It's only been seven games. Um, the scrutiny that he has been receiving over these last three or four weeks is kind of unprecedented, which kind of has been. I'll, I'll give him that. However, man, this team is not performing to what we were sold. They were they were sold, you know, a top 10 offense potentially. They've got a great quarterback. He's not playing well. The offensive line isn't doing their job. They're not running the ball consistently. This game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, everybody kind of has earmarked for the most part because if the Broncos go out there and they lay another egg and they get blown out, Nathaniel Hackett's job is being called for. Do you think that that's an actual possibility that the Broncos would move on from Nathaniel Hackett after eight games, which would be the fastest trigger in NFL history, or do they kind of see this thing out just a little bit more? Did you say the fastest trigger in yes. NFL history? It'd yes. be the second. It, is it the second? What, it would be the second. The there, was, there was a coach who was fired after like three games. I can't well, remember was, who. It, I can't remember was, who it was. There was one that was like after three games. There was. I remember. There was, there was a, a Rams coach that was uh, – so uh, sorry, I, I didn't speak. There was a Rams coach that was fired after two preseason games. But in terms of the regular season, the one that I had heard, this was per Zach By on 104.3 The Fan the other day. He said that the, the, the previous earliest trigger was nine games, and I don't remember who that was. So it was Hackett after eight games would be the fastest in-season 
that coach regular season game. So if I'm wrong on that, I do apologize. Regardless, the, the point still stands. Yeah. Anyways, um, well, first of all, George Payton is the is the general manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take what he says about as far as I could probably throw him, which is not far mm-hmm. at all. Same thing with coaches. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who he came out there when he was hired. Big Fangio is part of why he chose the Denver Broncos. Like, hey, that could be true, but things change. He can fully support, you know, Nathaniel Hackett all he wants, but things change. And it's a fluid thing about it. I don't think the Broncos fire Hackett in season simply because of things that um, the way it is viewed of firing a coach in season, it's kind of diminishing a little bit. It is a situation of if you are completely losing the locker room and creating issues in the locker room yourself, then yeah, you're fired. Like Urban Meyer, which Kathy right. Lawrence, how long was Urban Meyer a coach? Um, a little bit longer, like 10 or 12 weeks, I think it is what it was. 12 games, they were 2 and 10. And so like in those situations, yeah, you fire your head coach. But typically, otherwise, you're doing it because there's somebody on staff that you want to see work as a head coach. The Broncos don't have one. Like Evero, he, one year as a D.C., what he's been doing has been great, but not enough to be given a head coach job just yet. Um, obviously not Justin out and nobody, none of the um, uh, position coaches, Clint Kubiak, I, don't, I wouldn't give it to him yet. Like there's no one that you do it. So you just stick with it and you just continue to suck with Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe he, things turn around and you can start seeing improvements that would be like, okay, maybe we can stick with him for a season for another season, which would be, uh, oh, that's a whole other discussion right there about if that happens. Um, but yeah, I don't see it happening. You don't benefit. You don't gain anything from firing a coach in season unless they are directly causing issues. And frankly, despite the issues, Hackett isn't directly causing issues in the locker room. I I don't disagree with you on that. I think that they need to at least see it out for this season and potentially. I mean, if it gets worse, then obviously you you evaluate this situation. It's a very fluid situation here with the Broncos. If it gets worse over the the course of the next what ten games or whatever it is. There's obviously a discussion to have maybe towards week 14, 15, 16, somewhere around in there. But I agree with your assessment that if, unless you want to see somebody specific come in, like an Ijiro Evero, or maybe you've got a guy like Dom Capers who's in the building that can step in and actually be that interim head coach that has head coaching experience, you typically don't want to move away from that. However, there are some things that you can change in terms of what you're doing in your game day operations, how you're delegating responsibilities down to your coordinators and other uh, uh, sub coaches and stuff like that, position coaches and everything. That to me, I think is the biggest way that this Broncos team could potentially improve. So long as the players are willing to accept that this new delegation is Nathaniel Hackett's out here to be the coach of the team, not be a direct part of the offense. So does handing off the play calling duties to Justin Outen seem like a more, viable possibility this first couple of weeks after this maybe they go through the bye week after this Jaguars game redelegate the situation get Clint Kubiak a little bit more involved and kind of reshape this offensive structure does that make more sense to you um if you're if Hackett's giving up play calling duties I'm not giving it to Justin Houghton okay like that's not that's not who should take it over whatsoever it should be Clint Kubiak I don't although that just that just opens up a whole other can of worms that's going to create issues within this team um, the coaching staff being that was put together wasn't exactly well thought out. Um, and this is one thing where, um, what is it? Not nepotism, but the word for hiring your friends, not family, whatever that is. That is what, that's what the coaching staff was hired. Mm-hmm. Hackett hired his buddies, mm-hmm. um, and people that he knew people he was close with. And Hey, it's 
okay. Like it, it bothered me. Like that was one reason why I didn't mind Dan Quinn as a head coach, but I was worried that he would have gotten that he he was getting a job because of the relationship between him and George Payton. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a fair concern. Not saying that would have been the case. The guys that Denver brought in as their coaches, they got their jobs because of their relationship with Nathaniel Hackett, yep. not because of what they've done. Because Butch Berry was an assistant for a year and not a very on a very bad offensive line, and now he's the offensive and now he's the offensive line coach. Like just because he was had a relationship with Nathaniel Hackett, the only one who's worked out has been Evero, and. Like it's great, but there are some things that Evero is doing as a coach that are like, why are you doing that? And it does make you wonder a little bit: is the success of the defense being carried by the players on the team? Because the defense is extremely talented, and they've been winning with their pass rush. And when their pass rush can't get home, then you start to see the cracks form in the secondary and their in coverage a little bit more. Um. So no, I mean, going back to your question is. Giving up play calling, I don't think would make a whole lot of difference. I think the biggest issue is that the um, the offense that Hackett Hackett wanted to bring in isn't the offense we're seeing. It is the offense that was molded and manipulated and um, put together with a lot of Russell Wilson input. It is a lot of what Russell Wilson wants to do, and it's not all things that he can do. Yeah. Um, we know what he can do, and this was an issue in Seattle. He wanted to, you know, the whole let Russ cook, let Russ cook, let Russ cook movement was he wanted to be that pocket passing quarterback. He wanted to be Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and that's not what he is. That's not right. who he is as a player. And at least in Seattle, when they started to falter and everything because the team was struggling, they'd change it up, and you'd see this reemergence of Russell Wilson. And Denver needs to do that. Justin Allen's not the guy to do that. I think you're more likely to get that from Clint Kubiak. But there's also concern about how much is Clint Kubiak actually the quarterback coach of Russell Wilson compared to Jake Heap. Like, right. is there actually a connection there, or is it more so of Clint Kubiak's here more so for helping with the script, helping Brett Rippon, helping Josh Johnson, and then Jake Heap has Nathaniel Hackett, Justin Outen, and Jake Heap. Like, it's a it's a lot of issues, and changing play calling I don't think makes a whole lot of difference in the performance of this team. Right. I I. I'm not necessarily inclined to disagree with you. I, I think Clint Kubiak, at least he has experience in in doing something like that. He, he called plays for the Minnesota Vikings last year with varying levels of success. Like there's a lot of good things that the Vikings were able to do, especially with their running game and, and Dalvin Cook last season. Um, and the, the the play action passing that they were using with Kirk Cousins, he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in play action. I think he was complete like 74% of his passes or something. Like off the top of my head, I don't have that number pulled. Yeah. But like he was very efficient working off of play action last season with a guy that has a mostly similar skill set to Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy. Like that's why Justin Jefferson really blew up. He's a, a better player, don't get me wrong. But the similar skill sets, you can find a way to make that work. I, I'm inclined to agree with you on that one. And I'm going to go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. And I just want to grab this. Jeff Noya says all head coaches bring in a staff. They are comfortable with. Yes. They bring in coaches that coach this, that coaches of the scheme that they want. They don't bring in their buddies. That is a huge difference. Yeah. In fact, um, I know for a fact that there are a couple people that was, that were, um, are on multiple staffs that the head coach doesn't personally care for, on a personal level, but they coach what they want. And so they stick with it. Mm-hmm. And as you do say is keeping Rick Dennison was a sticking point between Elway and Kubiak. Yep. Um, 
it was a sticking point of bringing Kubiak back yeah. as an offensive coordinator. That was the sticking point. Is wasn't Kubiak as a head coach. It was bringing Kubiak back as an offensive coordinator under Vic Fangio. That Elway said no to Rick Dennison because they were they had to make Mike Munchak. Right. That was what that issue was. So somewhat related, but a little bit different because again, you're not the quarterback, you're not the head coach. You're just being brought in as an offensive coordinator. Well, speaking of that conversation between Vic Fangio bringing in uh, Gary Kubiak as an offensive coordinator, as she's jumping in here, and I hope I got that name correctly. New name to me, by the way. So, Ashish, thank you for joining us. Said, hi, guys. I think that Hackett is not qualified for this job. If he comes back next year, I will be really surprised. They should have just kept Vic Fangio for for the last year and hired a different offensive coordinator. I don't fully disagree with this take. I think there's some merit behind it. However, I do believe that firing Vic Fangio and going out and getting a new head coach was the correct direction because Vic Vic Fangio showed a a stubbornness from his position to adapt and change. He wasn't going to get rid of Pat Shermer. That was not something he was going to do. Again, hiring your buddies, hiring a guy that you have familiarity with. He fired Rich Scangarello when Pat Shermer was fired from the New York Giants to bring a guy that he respected in Pat Shermer to the Broncos. I don't think that that was going to be something that was going to happen again. So moving in the uh, in an opposite direction to go and get uh, Nathaniel Hackett, I believe was a, the right decision, but they hired the wrong guy. Dan Quinn was my guy. And I think that honestly, given the results we've seen thus far from this team, the undisciplined play, the, the lack of accountability from players after they miss their responsibilities or just poor play on the field and stuff like that, I think that having a, a guy like a Dan Quinn, who's a little bit more gruff and scruff, he's been around the block a time or two. He coached in a Super Bowl. I think that was the correct direction to go in. The offensive coordinator, Eric, and I disagree on, but I think the Broncos need to do the right thing here, and they need to move away from Nathaniel Hackett after the season and go hire the guy that was meant to have this job. They need to go get Dan Quinn because I think he could work wonders with this defense. I really do. Um, no, it was right of them to fire Vic Fangio. Um, there were, there was a lot of, um, fissures forming with the locker room between him. Um, he was getting ignored by a lot of players on the defense. Like it it was time for Vic Fangio to go. Um, I understand why they brought in Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I mentioned this, I think a week or two ago on one of the shows over the last couple weeks, um, Vic Fangio was very rough and gruff and he wasn't exactly a fun coach. He wasn't really a player's coach. He was a football coach. Yep. Um, and so they went the complete polar opposite with Nathaniel Hackett. Not saying he's a football, not a football coach, but he is very much a player coach. It is all about the players with him more than anything. And they needed somebody in between, which Dan Quinn is. Um, and Jeff Noyes comes in again. And what petty grudges? I, I'm just curious about what petty grudges there are um, was, that was there were there with Fangio, like because there were no petty grudges. The only thing I could think of is. Players getting put in the doghouse, and which happens with every coach. Yeah, with Shel- like Shelby Harris and the the grudge that they had back and forth was interesting to kind of to follow a little bit back and forth. But I think that that's a big reason why Vic Fangio was like, oh, like the defense was performing for the most part fairly well. The offense was like you could see get him a quarterback and keep everything together, and you could kind of make the case for him to be around. But he was not a players friendly coach, and there were a lot of players that made that very clear but I think if you talk to a guy like Justin Simmons who took a big step forward under Vic Fangio I think that there might be some conflicting reports on opinions 
based on who you talk to within within that defensive scheme. I'm going to pivot off of this because I've got a good comment and it goes directly into our conversation we're going to talk about here with the trade deadline coming up here. Poe Castillo and Poe, another new name. Thank you for joining us, at least to me, another new name to me. Thank you for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. He says, with a win in London on Sunday, does George Payton still trade a player like Bradley Chubb or Jerry Judy for some additional picks? Also, I'm not a fan of firing a first-year head coach midseason, but you've got to imagine ownership will step in and force changes with a loss on Sunday. So we've got two different takes here. First things first, I'm going to ask you, Eric, the second part of this. Uh, ownership stepping in, uh, uh, Greg Penner jumping in and potentially you know, making a change unforeseen to everybody. You didn't hire Nathaniel Hackett. You didn't hire George Payton. Let's see if, you know, is that a possibility there that ownership steps in and makes, makes a change that a lot of people seem to think is necessary here? Um, I don't think they step in to force a head coach to be fired. Um, but there is already pressure coming for them to make to change things up with how they're going about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could see we could see movement in personnel. We could see movement in, you know, of play caller. We could see of the whole process of play calling. Um, we can see changes like that. I don't think they fired Nathaniel Hackett. Not saying they don't completely. Just doesn't seem to be the way that they're looking at right now. And I don't think a loss on um, Sunday will make it happen. But it definitely makes the seat a lot hotter. It makes it a lot more likely at the very least he's gone after the season. Right. As for the whole trading trading aspect of it, this one game um doesn't have an impact on if they trade players or not it is all about what they're getting in return they are two and six if they win they'll be three and six and a um and a playoffs berth is still highly unlikely like it's just it would take a drastic change to get a playoff spot and not against a team who has such a bad defense like the jaguars like you actually have tough comp- tough players so this one game it's not going to change anything on if you played trade players or not um, it might change a little bit of what you're asking for in return. You might be a little bit more willing to take less if you lose than if you win. Um, but it's still a thing of it's just going to be is what is the return value of it? I do think that no matter what, Denver makes a couple moves. Albert Okwebenon being one of them. Yeah, that was that was another big name. And let's just start there. Albert Okwebenon, um with the, the emergence of Greg Dulcich, who looks to be every bit as billed as the receiver. I mean, he had six catches last week, 68 yards as first, his first game. He had a handful of catches as well, 44 yards and a touchdown that big long, uh, I think it was 31 yards against the chargers. Albert O seemingly is in the doghouse for not being able to develop as a blocker. And he's really not done a great job of separating himself and showing the ability as a receiver. So to me, Eric, is there a team that wants to go out there and, and spend some extra draft capital? I mean, you're, you're talking a seventh round pick conditional sixth, maybe that turns into a seventh uh, or a conditional seventh that turns into a six, excuse me, for a guy like Albert Okawebenom. I mean, you're, you're talking tight end injuries, just looking for another body, someone that might be a contender that's looking for somebody that can help out in, in like a 12 personnel package, off the top of my head, I don't see anybody that is going to be willing or want to do something like that. What do you think? I mean, there's definitely interest in Alberto Quibinom out there, and it is for it's probably a matter of Alberto in a seventh for a sixth round pick or a conditional seventh. That's not going to be much. Um, Alberto hasn't done anything to do it, and teams know that. It's just a belief that a change of scenery might do him some good. Right. 
Um, and there are teams out there. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers, I know they're looking for some additional tight end help because they love those big tight end. There's multiple tight end packages. Mm-hmm. And I believe they're too deep in there. They're looking to improve that third guy, which, hey, for a sixth, seventh round pick, I'll, that, that's fine. Um, there are a few other teams out there. Um, I believe the Vikings are another team that's been rumored about looking for some tight end depth. Um, I know there's a couple other teams out there that are looking for it as well. So there's definitely interest in him. It's just a matter. And Denver at this point, they're trying to sell him. Like even before Greg Dulcich came out, the play usage, the play and usage of Albert Okwebenam was dropping. Yes. Um, he's been was struggling in practice, catching passes, which translated onto the field. His run blocking took got somehow got even worse from last year. <laughs> um, and his route running just got worse too. Like he's back to turning like a freaking battleship out yep. there. Yep. Um, he doesn't look he doesn't look like he's in football shape when we have seen him on the field, and he's definitely in the doghouse, and he deserves to be there, and it's just gonna lead to him being moved, I think. <sighs> I just I just don't know if there's anyone that's going to be a taker on a deal like that. And like you said, and, like I said, it's it's going to be a seventh round pick, conditional seventh, maybe a sixth, yeah. and then or like Alberto in a seventh for a sixth round pick. It's you're not getting yeah. much out of that. So and like, real quick, just two comments that I want to have here, grab here that are on this topic. Ravens lost their tight end. That is another team that could best be looking at Jeff Noya. Seven round picks do not improve. Will not improve this team. Now there's Alberto Quebenam. I'd rather take a shot with that seventh round pick, which gives you another pick that you can use to move up a little bit, to go get a guy a little bit earlier um, in the draft, or take that flyer on the guy late in the draft. The odds are very low that that seventh round pick will hit, but guess what? Albert Okwebenam is in the literal doghouse right now. He's not seeing the field. He's been a healthy scratch for two games. Yeah. I will take that shot with that seventh round pick every day of the week in that in this instance. I, I'm with you on that because it gives you another dart throw at a player like a Brandon Johnson or a Jalen Virgil, guys like that. That you know, uh, the priority undrafted free agents at wide receiver that the Broncos just had this last year, and they were lighting up camp for the most part. They they played really well. Jalen Virgil was very impressive in his time um, in the first two preseason games, catching those deep balls down the down the sideline and whatnot. Like that gives you an extra opportunity to go and get something like that. And whereas Albert Okawebinom, he's not necessarily seeing the field at a high level right now. Jalen Virgil's not either. But if you move on from another couple of these guys we're going to get to here in a minute, like a KJ Hamler or Jerry Judy, having a Jalen Virgil who has that long speed, that deep, that deep ball mentality, the the ability to go and do that, that's a valuable aspect and asset for your team moving forward. So and I I'm with you, Eric, on that one, and I, and I understand where the the comment comes from that seventh round picks don't necessarily improve the team, but you have to churn the bottom of the roster all the time. Yeah. And taking those seventh round picks, those undrafted free agents, and hitting on some of those players increases it like increases the the level of your floor of your team and makes you a little bit more competitive in that aspect. And in the case of Jalen Virgil, like yeah, he's an undrafted free agent, and they're still working on developing him. Odds are he doesn't turn into anything. He wasn't expected to make the roster. Yep. But again, it comes back to the thing of Albert O has been a healthy scratch. There are multiple tight ends above him that do can do same things and be improvement on the blocking anyways. Mm-hmm. And he's just not seeing the field. So yeah, that seventh round pick is is a thing. And it's no different than sh- signing UFAs, undrafted free agents. It is a little different because they don't have a choice there. You can't just go in risking everything on undrafted free agents because they get to choose where they want to go. Yep. There are multiple players that I'll tell you, they will rather be undrafted than a seventh or sixth round pick because yep. they get that choice. 
Yep. And so and if there's can... if it is a year where you have a lot of guys that you're projecting to be undrafted free agents, having that extra seven to guarantee you get you one of those guys, even if they don't work out, is still worth it. Like well, it is and, just a matter of that. And not only do as an undrafted free agent, you get to pick where you want to go. Like you can choose to not sign with the team. You also get to negotiate your contract. You you can you can negotiate some some signing bonus money and stuff like that. I think Jalen Virgil got like forty thousand dollars on a signing bonus just to come in and play in Denver, despite having Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler on the roster in front of him. Like he chose to come to Denver and they paid him a lot of money to do it. So there's there's definitely a conversation. It's multifaceted. We love to do this here on Dub Valley Deep Divers, where we take a bunch of different and, angles and kind of have a have a fun discussion with it. It's a good point, Jeff, and I understand where you're coming from. But yeah. think about it a little bit in a different way. And and thank you for the thank you for the good conversation here. And on that note, too, is like outside of the first round, outside of the top ten picks, the hit rate on picks drops significantly, mm-hmm. and it just continues to drop because I mean, there's a reason why those guys are falling falling so far so far down. But when you get yourself a chance to find to get that extra shot at somebody like a Chris Harris Jr. or, you know, Jalen Virgil, Brandon Johnson, those guys, um, these other later round picks that Denver has had success with or on the free agents, like for a guy that's not doing anything, it's worth it. And it's not a situation of like you're selling low here. You're literally selling a guy for next to nothing who's doing nothing for you. Yeah. Um, and that is a thing of like, if you want, and this is where the whole issue of buying and selling comes into be. It's because if you want to make improvement, especially when you have low picks, you have to sell good talent. Yep. Like I would rather not trade Bradley Chubb because he has been the, the best defensive player on the Broncos this season. I would rather not trade that. I'd rather keep them because guess what? Randy Gregory hurt again. Like he was happy. He was playing great football. Don't get me wrong, but you can't rely on him to play a 17 game season. Nope. Baron Browning. I mean, people talk about Bradley Chubb being injury prone. Baron Browning is too at this point. I mean, he deals with so many little nicks and dings that's constantly pulling him out of games. I mean, he's been pulled out of two games, three games so far this season already, where he wasn't able to finish because of thing because of injuries, including one in the pre and including one not including one in the preseason, not including the issues last year. And then you get into okay, Jonathan Cooper, he's far exceeded expectations as a seventh round pick, back to seventh round picks. Um you can't bet on him being a guy. Nick Benito, hey, he was a he was a complete punt on this season. I mean, he was a pick for 2023 to give you that versatility of moving Bradley Chubb. Well, now this is where it's biting you in the butt because you don't have any clue what you're going to get out of Nick Benito. And so essentially, you need to keep Bradley Chubb as some insurance because guess what? If Nick Benito doesn't step up, your deep edge room gets a lot worse. Yep. And on top of that, if, Bradley, if you do keep Bradley Chubb and Nick Benito does do well, you can move on from Randy Gregory. Yeah. Like, especially when you have Bradley or you have Baron Browning come up on a big contract. Yeah. So it, it gives you more options for it. But if you want those picks that are going to be those shots to actually make this team better, you have to sell Bradley Chubb. You have to sell Jerry Judy. You have to sell KJ Hamlet. You have to sell talent. Yeah. So. I, I don't disagree with you. And there's a couple things that you put in there. And I'm going to grab this this super chat. we got a couple super chats I want to grab here really fast. But you, you made a really good point about Bradley Chubb. With the injuries to um, Baron Browning, Randy Gregory, this season, I don't think that, that Bradley Chubb's going anywhere. I, I think, quite honestly, what they're going to do is they're going to franchise tag him. They're going to hold on to Bradley Chubb because they, they, they need somebody. Even if they lose this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they need to have another edge rusher because, like you said, Nick Benito hasn't shown it. 
Jonathan Cooper has been okay as a seventh round pick, but Baron Browning has a hip injury. He's likely to miss a whole lot of time from the sound of it. I haven't checked up in on that situation in a while. Randy Gregory's out for the foreseeable future from, from what it sounds like. There's nobody else on this roster. Jonathan Kongbo. Is that where you're going to like hang your hat on is Jonathan Kongbo, who was just okay. Yeah. Aaron Patrick tore his ACL the other day. He's out. Like they, they got to have somebody. So I don't think that Bradley Chubb's the piece to, to watch out for here. I believe it's it's Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. One of those two yeah. guys is going to get moved. Like and, and it's it's going to make this this offense more frustrating to me, especially if they move on from Jerry Judy because I think that there's some aspects here and this ties in nicely to Malcolm Brown who dro- drops a two dollar super chat saying that Pat Shermer's offense was boring. Nathaniel Hackett's offense is frustrating, and it is. But I I pointed this out in an article on MileHighHuddle.com a couple of weeks ago talking about how the offensive inefficiencies and execution has been a bigger issue than the coaching. Now I'm starting to get more towards the coaching side of things. I think that there's some critical coaching issues here. However, Jerry Judy averages 3.4 yards per route run of separation, like 3.4 yards of separation per route run on the season. That's over 10 feet guys. Like we're talking, the dude is getting wide open and somehow we cannot get him the football on a consistent level on a consistent basis. Even with Russell Wilson averaging like 2.87 seconds per throw. Like it's ridiculous how bad this offense is, is operating right now. And that's on the player execution. When your guys are getting open, Cortland Sutton averages 3.1 yards per separation, by the way. uh, Greg Dulcich is like 4.7 yards right now. Like It's crazy how much separation this team is getting. They just can't deliver the football to them. That's on your players. That's specifically on your quarterback. So, yes, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating to watch this Broncos offense right now. But if they could just figure out a way to to execute what's being called – they can actually be a very good offense, which is why I think you're seeing Nathaniel Hackett every week. George Payton, every time he steps up to the podium, we're very close offensively. We just got to play better. Yes, 100% yes. It's a very, very factual statement. And, Jeff, if you said that to anybody who works in the NFL, they would laugh in your face. Seventh-round picks are draft capital. They're not ex- They're not high-value draft capital. They are still draft capital. I mean, they are a draft pick. That is a draft capital. And – Teams do like to have seventh round picks because guess what? That's what guarantees you to get those undrafted free agents that you're looking at. Yep. Um, Chase Wilner asking about Draymond. I fully expect Draymond Jones to be in to be kept. Um, I think part of the reason why the Broncos are so willing to move on from Bradley Chubb as well, and I don't think this gets talked about enough, is you can only franchise tag one player. Mm-hmm. Draymond Jones or Bradley Chubb. I'm I'm like, I'm I, so let me interject on this one because I'm paying Draymond Jones. You, you, yes. I'm not saying hand him. I'm not saying you hand him a blank check, but you pay Draymond Jones because while Bradley Chubb has been the best defensive player on a more consistent level, Draymond Jones' flashes this season have been absolutely incredible. That dude is well on his way, and it's it's finally here. We're talking about that breakout season 20, uh, 2020, 2021. We're now twenty twenty two. This breakout season from Draymond Jones is happening right in front of our faces, and that's the dude that you pay. You franchise tag Bradley Chubb, see if you can do another full year, well, full year healthy, and you pay Draymond Jones because that dude is a cornerstone piece of this franchise. But what I'm getting at is that if you are unable to get that deal done before the tag deadline, you only mm-hmm. can tag one of them. Ooh. So that is the point of now you can shop Bradley Chubb now. 
because you know that no matter what, you are keeping Draymond Jones. Yep. That it gives you that versatility. If we can place the franchise tag on you and continue going business and then continue to work on the the deal, we don't have to try to rush through it. We don't have to hand over. Hand over. We could try to get a fair deal for both sides with more yep. time. That that's what I was getting at with it. I do expect Draymond Jones to be kept and retained for it. Um, well, so let me let me piggyback off of this because going into early early uh, summer scouting and just watching what's going on in the NFL right now. This edge class is wildly talented. There are going to be some players that the Broncos can get at the uh, early second, early third round where they're going to be picking um, finally with their first pick. There, there's a lot of players. Uh, Andre Carter from Army is a player you can look at. Uh, Felix Anadike Uzama is another player you can look at. Uh, Zion, uh, I don't remember his last name, the Washington kid. There, like, There's a couple of players you can get in the third round that could be potential like starter-level players in the draft this season. So maybe moving on from Bradley Chubb just to make sure that you can keep a Draymond Jones is actually the better play here. Because you can reset that position, keep it cheap, and then work and develop that with Randy Gregory hopefully staying healthy for a full season. And K-Hop says, Judy to the Bills for Gabe Davis in the fifth or sixth. Um, Gabe Davis is better than Jerry Judy. He is. Like, yep. <laughs> so it would take a lot more from that. Um, Judy is definitely the worst of the two. Um, hot take, hot take here. John, uh, real quick on, on Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is what everybody wants Tim Patrick to be. Um, Lance John says, Lance, you're not making sense. We don't need edge to keep losing. We can lose with no edge in stack draft capital. This season is over. Um, yeah, and that's that's very true. And that's again part of the reason why you can be perfectly fine with selling Bradley Chubb. It's just beyond this season. I mean, next year, hopefully you're turning things around. You still need that edge position. You still need to be able to get after the quarterback, especially when we've seen this coverage unit break down over last year and this year when the pass rush isn't able to get home, when they're not able to get any get much of a pass rush at all. Um Randy Gregory's not reliable to stay on the field. That was one of my concerns with signing him more so than the whole drug and suspensions. It was the injuries. Um, Baron Browning is developing a lot of injury concerns going forward. Jonathan Cooper, Nick Benito. What are they? Bradley Chubb, even with his injury, injury issues and still an injury risk is he has proven to be the most consistent and reliable edge rusher, edge defender because his play against the run has been absolutely stellar as well. Mm -hmm. So is that draft capital, even though it's not helping this year, you have to balance out the draft capital for next year and how what they could possibly do to help this team win compared to Bradley Chubb. And that is what the Broncos are doing. Yep. And depending on what it is, I mean, they're asking for a first-round pick and more, and they believe that that is more valuable than Bradley Chubb, especially on an extended deal. Yeah, especially if you get a, a, a higher-level first-round pick um, from – I got to think of just some teams right now. I know, I know for a fact that uh, Eric actually told me this night was another uh, Benjamin Albright report. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, prior to trading for Robert Quinn the other day, called the Broncos about Bradley Chubb. The Broncos said, "We want a first round pick," and the Eagles hung up the phone. And then they went and got Robert Quinn. Like, if you can get a first round pick for a player like Bradley Chubb, get yourself into that the into that conversation. I would take a two Whatever. and a three. I, I like honestly, I would take a two and a three for Bradley Chubb. At least you get yourself into the second round again. But um, and and hopefully it's from a team that has a, a a high second round pick. But like a Miami, Miami would be a really fun team to to watch Bradley Chubb go to. But at the same time, I don't think that that's likely to happen. Um, now, unless this was complete BS from the edge from um from the Carolina Panthers that with the two first round picks being offered for Brian Burns. Whoever offered that for Brian Burns to turn around and offer that for Bradley Chubb. Yep. And not not just because of the fan of me, not because I want the two first round picks, 
not because of that, but because if you're willing to offer that for Brian Burns, Bradley Chubb is better. And I get the availability of Bradley Chubb yep. hasn't been the same, which is where the difference is coming with NFL teams. Well, you also but get he is an, an still extra, the better player. Yeah, you, you also get an extra an extra year of possession with Brian Burns because Chubb was drafted twenty eighteen, Burns was drafted twenty nineteen. So you get the extra year. You get the extra of, year cross control as well. Yes, but uh, is that worth a is that worth a um, an, an extra first round pick that somebody offered two first round picks for Brian Burns? You think that that's actually a, a legitimate discussion that actually happened, or you think that that's somebody? BS. Panther, it's it, complete BS. Right, it's, it's somebody it's, from the Panther side yeah. trying to just drive up the the asking price right now yeah. because I'll bet you they're getting the, the not quite the Von Miller deal, but they're getting like a three and a five in terms of offers for Brian Burns right and now. And the what I've heard about the deals with Bradley Chubb is just on the verge of that getting that first round pick. It's mm-hmm. quite similar to the Bradley Chubb deal. And with how where teams are sitting right now. They could still end up higher in the second round and the third round, or they can end up lower. Because from what from the teams that I've heard being mentioned as those interested in um, Bradley Chubb, they're kind of in the middle of the pack, and not every single one of them is going to be one of those playoff teams. No, no, I, I, I 100% in agreement with you. Uh, pivot to the offensive side of the football here. Rodney Garcia jumping in here saying, good evening, Lance and Eric. Do you guys see KJ Hamler being traded as well? And I'm going to take this one away here really fast, because if there was any player that I would have, rather out of Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler uh if the Broncos were to tra- trade either one of those two Hamler would be the one that I think that you would be in the best interest of trading and the reason why is because we talked about a player that has that vertical deep threat speed already and he's shown the ability to go up and make those those tough contest contested catches in Jalen Virgil if wait, Hamler wait. He's shown the ability to get up and make those tough contested catches. At least when? in the preseason. In the preseason. When? In the preseason. No. Well, no. I guess not contested. No, his were deep shots where he ran past yeah. slow fifth string corners All right. All that aren't right. even on practice squads. All right. Just calm down a hair. But I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm more willing to go in that because yeah. what Jerry Judy does bring to you is that elite route running skill set, and there's the high upside potential with that. KJ Hamler, as, as good as a route runner as he is, and I think he has improved in that aspect, you've also got the injury concerns there but he's a true deep threat speed kind of yeah. a guy you have another option on the roster and Jalen Virgil that can do those same kind of things especially from the slot with the bigger body that he has 622 I think 207 210 something like that KJ Hamler is a small little guy you can actually throw him up and if, if Jalen Virgil does have that that big body big catch potential like I would rather see that get what and, you can for a KJ Hamler and keep Jerry Judy around at least for another year and hopefully it, it clicks with him next year if it's the same deal by all means get rid of him I'm done trade them both that's where I'm at <laughs> trade them both um, well there's there's private conversations we don't necessarily get into with that but I understand where you're coming from well I mean okay so with KJ Hamler despite you know the contested catch comment from you I would I would trade KJ Hamler. And I would turn to Jalen Virgil to bring that speed down the field to stretch the field and everything aspect. Yep. Even though he's still struggling to pick up the playbook, he still doesn't have it down. He basically has, and his route running is still a mess. Despite all that, I would still sit there and just go run a deep post, a deep corner, a nine route. Go do that. Stretch the field a little bit and see what you can do and see if you can help speed up his development by getting him out there on the field. Yep. Because guess what? KJ Hamler, he's getting open. But it doesn't matter because the short quarterback is missing the short wide receiver. Like, so it doesn't matter. So trade him. Maybe the size can help, you know, get that speed a little bit more used a little bit more. 
Yep. And in the case of Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy isn't a fit with what Russell Wilson wants to do. No. Like he he's not. Um, he can fit with what Russell Russell Wilson can do. But at this point, there seems to be some fissures forming with Jerry Judy and the and the quarterback, and that's something that is like, hey, just we'll, we'll move on from you. Like we'll go and evaluate Brandon Johnson. Like yeah. I'm at the point where this team should enter evaluation mode. Um, I don't expect Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler to be in the long term plans of this team. So yeah, I definitely think they should be they should be moved and traded. Um, there was one comment I wanted to grab. Um, chill guy says more than one first for PS2. He's a generational talent. No, he's not. He is very, very good. He is great. Generational talent that gets overused a lot. And we're seeing we're seeing corner after corner coming into the NFL playing great football right away. Amad Gardner, Patrick Sertan. Um, there's a rookie um in uh what was it 2020 that had a really good year as well. Like it just keeps happening. Like generational talent gets overused. Patrick Sertan is great. He would definitely command more than one first as well. Um, he is probably one of two, maybe three players I think that would command a first round pick on this on this Broncos team. He's not for sale though. But let's just be honest here. That's but should he be? No, no. I, I like that. That is where you have a talent drop off and deficiency in the cornerback room. That PS two losing, like moving on from Passer Tan, would be the biggest mistake that George Payton made. And I. And I you know me, and you 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 were here with me. I was here with you, and we talked about that. We talked about Pastor Tan so many different times about how he wasn't a fit and how he wasn't going to be able to play in, in Vic Fangio's scheme. He's shown that he can play damn near anything you want him to do. Is it the generational talent? Is he a Champ Bailey? Probably not. But he's still a top Definitely ten cornerback. Not. He's still a top ten cornerback in today's NFL, and I think that I believe that fully with my chest. I think that he is a great player, and you don't move on from players like that. That's a cornerstone building block on this franchise. And if you get rid of uh, Patrick Sertan, you're resetting everything because Ronald Darby's not sticking around. Kwan Williams ain't sticking around. Michael Ojemudia has been a flop for the most part in his entire career as a Denver Bronco. Damari Mathis while promising as a rookie has not necessarily been that great. You're moving on from a top 10 cornerback for two first round picks. Miss me with that nonsense, please. And thank you. I'm out on that take out fully out. Your corners don't have as direct of an impact on win loss record as other positions do. I don't, I wouldn't, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't trade Patrick Stan. I'm not saying trade him. That was just kind of tongue in cheek. Cause I knew that it would get, get you going a little bit and I knew I knew to get probably chat going a little bit. Um, I'm not saying that, but no corners do not have a significant enough impact to where if a team does come and offer to you first, you turn it down. It doesn't have, they don't have that significant of enough of an impact, especially with somebody like Patrick Tan for as good as he is, as great as he is. His tackling is problematic. His play against the run is problematic. He's not that generation. He's not that champ Bailey type and he's great in coverage. Um. So yeah, if a team comes calling to you first, calling offering to you first, I'd consider it. Yeah, because you have so many other holes on this team. And Ronald Darby, guess what? You still have another year of cost year of him under contract. You can still stick with him. You can still go and find that. But this is George Payton we're talking about, and finding a franchise cor- cor- uh, cornerback is harder to find a friend than a franchise quarterback. Apparently. Well, anyway, joking aside, another player that is you know getting talked about a lot about being moved, Dalton Reisner. Which, if he does get moved, I would love to see what the team gives up for team gets for him. I'd love to see it 
because I don't think he's worth anything because he is terrible. Lloyd Cushenberry's not worth anything either. It'd be, I'd have it'd probably be a situation of like, you're giving a seventh round pick for a six round pick to a team that is potentially on that, you know, that sixth round pick is possibly a seventh round pick just because, Hey, now he's your problem. He's an impending free agent. Um, you might get a better compensatory compensatory pick for him, but and that's something that Denver's valuing out is where do they think what compensatory pick do they think they can get in 2024 and how much they value that over you know what they value a pick this year for. And Kathy Lund saying, I don't think anyone wants Reisner. Um, his name has been quite popular. It has been. I know for a fact one team that was heavily linked to him, and I think it was contingent on how they did against the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night, Tampa Bay. was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were very heavily They're rotating their left guards, yep. and the Rams are another team and the Dallas Cowboys as well. I, I, those are the two hey, – damn it, you've, you you beat me to it. Um, but those those are the three teams I know specifically that were very interested in Dalton Reisner. It would have been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers first, and that was contingent on if they, if they beat the Baltimore Ravens is what I heard. Um, the other two were uh, the Dallas Cowboys, who really want to see what he can do in that wide zone that we're not running here in Denver. And then uh, again, the uh, the Los Angeles Rams, who don't do a lot of the wide zone that uh, that the Cowboys do and the San Francisco 49ers do, which is where Dalton Reisner is seemingly his best at is in wide zone, getting out, moving laterally. So those yeah. would be the teams to look at in terms of compensation. Well, talking the, the Albert O. You're, you're talking Albert O. Deal. We talked about that just a minute ago. Uh, like a, a Dalton Reisner in a seventh for a sixth or a conditional sixth. If you could go Dalton Reisner for a six straight up, I would be hard pressed to pass on that. Especially if if, if uh, Tom Compton's ready to come back. They just activated him. They they started his twenty one day clock, so he's got three weeks to be put back on the active roster, or they have to put him on uh, injured reserve completely. But uh, so Tom Compton coming back. If you can get a six round pick for Dalton Reisner, I'd probably take that and laugh my way to the bank. What do you think, Eric? Well, Cristiano came in here and saying I'd be I'd bet a desperate contender with a beat up IOL gives up a fifth for Reisner. Um, and that's that's possible. That is. Um, I haven't heard really compensation about it, but I know that the Dallas Cowboys, they really want to fix that beat up offensive line of theirs yep. where left guard has been problematic. Um and then adding Dalton Reisner does give them options. The Rams are another team. Like they're looking at their offensive line, the players that they've lost, injured reserve. Like they're just looking for anybody at this point. And well, we know how the Ram- we know how the Rams are aggressive. And, and like, cor- are very correct- aggressive, especially at the trade deadline. Excuse me, I didn't mean to, to step over here, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The Rams just lost Joe Noteboom, who was playing left tackle for them. And there was a conversation potentially talking about trading for Dalton Reisner and playing him at left tackle, not guard. Like that that's a that's a possibility. I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a very high possibility, but it's it's more than zero percent chance that that's definitely something that could happen here. I mean, it is, and that's one of those things where you get options. And Jeff says, Don't we have enough holes on the offensive line? Yeah, Denver does, but you're not doing anything this year. Dalton Riser, he's not part of your future plans. So yeah, go get that pick for him. And then you enter evaluation mode on Atani Moody or Tom Compton or even Graham Glasgow. Like, I know Graham Glasgow at right guard wasn't great, but you know what? 
Dalton Reisner has been significantly worse, and he continues to be significantly worse. Turn to those other guys, see what you have, see if maybe one of those guys can be a solution at the left guard position going forward. And that is if we even see Tom Compton at left guard, because we might even see him at tackle, because this coaching staff does not want Calvin Anderson out there on the field. Right. I I don't disagree with you on that one. I think that Graham Glasgow needs to play center. They need to get Tom Compton back at left guard. Like that's that's the moves that they need to make because Lloyd Cushenberry has been bad. But I just put it nicely, he's been bad. Dalton Reisner has been less bad than than Lloyd Cushenberry, but he's still been bad. You've got to do something. There's got to be some kind of change up on the offensive line, and those are the two guys you specifically have to look at, look at. Because I don't think that Quinn Miners played a bad game against the Jets. I think he held his own pretty well. And that's two games in a row where he went up against Quinn and Williams and stonewalled his ass. Like, Quinn Miners is a dude on this offensive line. He's a cornerstone player here as well. So, I, and, we'll just leave it, leave it at that. But, like, th- like that's the direction that I would go. Go ahead, Eric. I, I got to grab and, this uh, comment from Benji Clay after that. We're up to shut that's, that's what I was going to grab. Um, don't want to sell the bag team for a bag of chips. Thank you for the super chat. We appreciate Thanks, it. Benji. Um, yeah, you don't, you definitely don't. And that's the thing of where you got to find the value for it. And that's what we've been talking about with Albert Okwebenam. I know that he was a fourth round pick, but he's done nothing. And so if you can get a seventh for him, you take it because it can help your team in different ways. Yeah. Dalton Reisner, he's not a few part of the future plans. Instead of waiting for 2024, when you get your picks back and you can always add more picks, you know, leading up to the 2024 draft, you can trade him now and get something in 2023 where you only have a handful of picks available yeah. already. And for these things of like, even if it is a fifth or a six or whatever, offensive line is one position that you can pretty consistently find good, not necessarily good talent, but contributors that can start on the offensive line throughout the draft, sixth, seventh round included. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, especially, I mean, if you look at the Broncos history, a lot of their best offensive linemen in history were late, later round picks. Yep. Um, so it's just a um, thing of that you gotta you gotta have that evaluation for it and then you gotta turn to the evaluation of the other players you have on the roster because maybe Natani Moody with has finally developed his pass blocking which is why he's not seeing on the field which is a big reason why he isn't um why he didn't make the initial roster plus the injury of course maybe you can get something out of him maybe Tom Compton shows enough to where you want to make give him a long-term deal Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you start to find these other solutions. Luke Wattenberg. I mean, Jay Wusso comes in. Why is Cushenberry starting at center? Shouldn't we see what Luke Wattenberg is? Absolutely. Yeah, I think we absolutely should. Can Luke, Luke Wattenberg hold up at center? Can he show enough to be given another year? Or do you, do you still have to go find another center? Like you have to turn to evaluation on the offensive line because this offensive line is absolutely terrible. And whatever they do, maybe Billy Turner at left tackle and Natani Moody left guard, Tom Compton at um, right tackle with Quentin Miners at right guard. Maybe that's what finally gets the run game going. They are all, their weaknesses isn't in the run blocking aspect yep. of it. Yep. And guess what? This team needs to be a run blocking, run uh, running team because of what we're seeing from Russell Wilson. Um, so, so you got to turn to the evaluation aspect of it. You're not selling everybody for just a bag of chips. You're taking what you can get for them, and you're opening up your options when it comes to the draft. You're opening up your options when it comes to free agency because, again, maybe the guys that they have on the roster that aren't seeing the field, maybe they are the answer. That's yep. unlikely, but it's possible. I'm 100% in agreement with you. Last one here, and then I'm going to shut her down, and we'll uh, continue on. I have a Halloween party to go to tonight. I need to drive my new truck. By the way, guys, I bought a truck today, so that's fun. But uh, 
Peter Middleton jumping in here and shout out to Peter Middleton, who's a P1 listener, preset one anytime the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast is on. Peter joins us all the way from Cambodia at times. I think he's in Turkey there for a little while. So shout out to Peter. But he says, which teams have multiple first round picks? I've been thinking about this for a few minutes. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, for now. The Philadelphia Eagles for now. The Miami Dolphins for now. Um, the Houston Texans and the Seattle Seahawks are the four teams that I can think of that have uh, multiple first round picks. If you're trying to get a first round pick out of any of those two teams, the Eagles have already shown a hesitancy to do that. They actually went away from the Broncos for Bradley Chubb. They don't need another receiver over there right now. So that's probably not going to happen. The Miami Dolphins are very intriguing. They could use some edge depth there with Bradley Chubb and adding Jerry Judy to that wide receiver duo of, uh, of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, those would be the two teams that I would think that you could pry a first away from, but you're not getting one from the Seahawks and you're not getting one from the Texans. Those are two rebuilding teams and they're going to be um, picking highly. Miami only has one. Oh, I they thought Miami had two. They forfeited their own. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. I forgot. And then I didn't hear no. I didn't hear if you said it, but the Detroit Lions also have two. I did not Detroit, know the Detroit. Detroit. Yep. Detroit, um, Philly, Houston, and Seattle. Those are okay. the two teams. Those are the teams that have two. Well, thank you for the correction on that. And I do apologize, guys. I forgot the whole Stephen Ross deal um, with the, the gambling on games and stuff like that. Um, the the mistreatment of, of the coaching staff there with Brian Flores. They did uh, forfeit. So there's only 31 picks in the first round of this upcoming NFL draft. So I do apologize for that. Thank you, Eric, for the clarification on that. Um, and, and then when you regardless, when you not, look at not, that, go ahead, go ahead. And then when you look at that, you got to look at where they're picking. So Philadelphia, um, reason why I said for now is there's a lot there with Alvin Kamara and the Saints. Um, so I would expect if that deal gets done, one of those first round picks goes back that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'd probably push for their own more than the Saints, as the Saints are currently giving them a top five pick, whereas their yep. own is you know 30, 31. Yep. Um, the Detroit Lions, I mean, they could possibly move around, move something with the Rams pick that they have. With the Matthew Stafford deal, yep. the Houston picks—I mean, they probably want to keep them. Yep. I mean, they're both set at, to be a top ten at the moment. Um, who knows what happens with the Cleveland pick um, when you know who returns back to the field? Ugh. And then Seattle as well. They're a team that I don't expect them to give up one of their first round picks, um, especially the fact that especially the fact that Denver's the one that they're getting from Denver is currently sixth, and their own—I mean, it's twenty second. Yep. But I would expect them to be looking, you know, to upgrade the quarterback room as good as Geno Smith has been this year. I don't think that I don't think they're being fooled by he is another, you know, a long term solution. Yep. Don't disagree with you. And it, you're in my points kind of aligned there for the most part. Like the, the two teams you're really looking at there are um, Detroit is a good one. I, I think that they could potentially move on from one there if they wanted to. It would be a kind of, especially Denver, for Bradley Chubb, especially for no. Bradley Chubb. No, no. Um, I think if they were going to go get somebody, I think they'd be more likely to go after Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler. Ooh, to pair with Amon Ross and Brown. That's a that's a good point there too. Good point there. All righty, guys. And that's going to do James it for us. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Jamison Williams. Ooh man, Jerry Judy, Jamison Williams, and Amon Ross and Brown. That's a lot of versatility there. You can do a lot of different things. 
All right, guys. Anyways, that's going to do it for us here on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for um, your generous support with Super Chats and Stars Donations. Guys, if you guys had Stars Donations on Facebook and we did not get to those, we do sincerely apologize. Um, Scott was not with us tonight, and we don't know what uh, on our end, we don't know what yeah. those uh, Stars Donations are. So if you if you shot us some Stars tonight, just know you are greatly appreciated with all of your guys' support, and we love it and uh, appreciate everyone for being here tonight guys follow us on twitter by finding me at sanderson mhh and for eric at eric trickle also guys while you are at it we'll just do the, the quick updated version of this uh at mile high huddle that's some other account where you guys find breaking news and analysis regarding your denver broncos film breakdowns opinion articles anything regarding the broncos that's where you guys are going to find it um uh huddleuppod.com guys that's the merch booth where you guys can get hats t-shirts anything uh regarding uh anything mile high huddle all of the podcasts and stuff are up there uh, make sure you guys go get your swag on get your merch and, and it's a great way to help support the show and folks if you guys are not financially able to do so in terms uh like supporting the show in terms of you know, super chat stars and stuff like that. Go into the merch booth, whatever. Three things you should all be doing down at the bottom of the screen here, guys. Subscribe wherever you guys are watching this or listening to this podcast. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Uh, like every video you guys see. And if you love it, share it. Please share it out and get it in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible. Because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover our Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, I've got a Halloween uh, party to go to tonight. So I'm going to go have some fun with that. Any big plans for you over the weekend? Are you just getting ready to take Bug out to go uh, trick-or-treating on Monday? Um, We're probably going to take her trick-or-treating a little bit. Probably not a whole lot. Um. Surprise, surprise. I'm not a big Halloween guy either. Um, but we'll probably take her out a little bit. Probably spend more time playing in the snow more than actual trick-or-treating. There you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, she picked out. She decided she's going to be Spider-Man. And she nice. picked out Buzz Lightyear for me. So uh, so we'll have Buzz Lightyear and Spider-Man out there. Um, yeah, we'll probably we'll have a good weekend. And I hope everybody else has a good weekend and stay safe, of course. If you're taking your kiddos out trick-or-treating, stay safe with that. And... You know, keep a close eye on them and all that jazz. And I, I, I'd say go Broncos, but I mean, do they really deserve it? Broncos country, let's hide. Let's try. Let's hide. <laughs> Let Broncos country, let's hide. All right, guys. Thank you all again for joining us on Dove Valley Deep Divers. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great weekend. A happy Halloween. Reflective clothing. Keep your kiddos safe. Enjoy a beautiful weekend. And... We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Thanks, guys. Reflective clothing. Keep your kiddos safe. Enjoy a beautiful weekend. And we'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Thanks, guys.